0: You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is cool when you're part of the podcast. Everything is awesome. Should I play that as our intro? <laughs> sure. Of, uh, yeah, absolutely. This week? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely. Y'all, welcome to the Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys. My name is Father Peter Music. My name is Dr. Scott Powell. And we are super excited to announce that we are... Oh, we're just going in. Yeah, doing right. a, live, a live Lanky Ooh. Guys on Facebook Live.
1: On Facebook Live yeah like i mean we're always (laughs) live we're always here we have physical bodies and we you know take in breath and nourishment yeah we are material beings yes but we're gonna actually be But there'll be a camera on us this time
0: yes and so (laughs) uh, many of you have asked to actually see what it looks like to be able to have a podcast and now you get the unfortunate reality (laughs) they're not gonna see
1: what it really looks like they're gonna see a sanitized version of it So um, we're doing it uh, specifically on Giving Tuesday. Yeah, which is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, right? Yep. And the date of that is the twenty, pardon me, the 28th of November. I'm sorry, (laughs) November 28th.
0: November 28th. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be actually attempting to raise $24,000 in 24 hours on Giving Tuesday.
1: Boom.
0: And so we would love to hear where you guys are from. Uh, We would love, I I think what we're going to do is we're going to try to put up a map of I think that'd be cool. of where people listen to the podcast and we're going to include Kazik Tajikistan or whatever. We have that one guy. That one guy, the rocket scientist, which we like he listened like 5 years ago. I hope he's
1: still listening. Maybe
0: he's still there. He's like I can't speak of it. I can't speak of it. Um but um, we are really excited. Uh, and so we would ask you just consider being generous to the St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center and the ministry that we do here. This is uh, an extension of uh, of really the campus ministry. Imagine having Scott Powell and myself available to you for your
1: ministerial <laughs> needs. And- Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, guys. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna be doing this on november 28th so the tuesday after thanksgiving at 10 o'clock mountain standard wait are we mountain standard or Mountain daylight i never know how it works we're mountain mountain time mountain time <laughs> we're mountain, mountain time you're gonna be on the mountain time so on mountain time 10 a.m mountain time on tuesday we're gonna be live at the way facebook live works go to the lanky guys hopefully you guys are on facebook if you're not Give Mark Zuckerberg a break and, jo- and join up so you can watch this. Then you can cancel it right afterwards. <laughs> but we're gonna be on the Lanky Guys Facebook pa- Facebook ba- Facebook page, Fishbait page. But we want you to, you know, and and you can wa- even if you can't make it at ten, you can watch it afterwards. It stays put there. But we, yeah, please comment where you're from, where you're listening from. Um, who you are. We just we want to get to know you guys. And if uh, the Lord so moves you, we'd love for you to help us in this mission because there is a lot of students at the University of Colorado who need to know Jesus Christ. And we have a lot of Catholic students at CU who need to know their faith so that they can go out and proclaim it. And so that's what we're raising this money for. It's not just for the lanky guys. It's not just so we can have nicer mics, although I know you have your eye on ah. a couple of nice microphones. <laughs> but it's to support this ministry that we're doing here, which, like you said, this is an offshoot of of that so you're supporting the students here
0: and and the truth is is that there are you know we have 15,000 people
1: engaged a week 17 last week.
0: 17 last week. Not to split so, hairs. so, I mean, y'all, there's a lot of you out there. So, I would really invite you just to consider uh, making a gift because th- it, it means a lot to the whole universal church. Yes. Uh, the apostles that come from here, we have 16 vocations that have come out of St. Thomas Aquinas in the last 10 years. Boom. Uh, and good t- ones, t- to too. The, yeah, to the priesthood. Not the lame priests. We got the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You are such I'm just a just kidding. kidding. Come on. You're such a punk. <laughs> Uh, we do the, have some cool priests that came we, out of here, though. We I mean, I really come do. Come on, these guys are righteous. Yeah, they are. And uh, and uh, untold religious vocations, yeah. m- marriages, marriages. I, I, a hundred. And, I, I mean, I would say that there's probably three hundred married couples that have been prepared out of St. Thomas Aquinas, and uh, then since and then, you've been here, yeah, and then not, thousands not of totally. college students who are mm. now leaven in the communities that you live in. I mean, mm. and now you all are part of the, the fruit of this ministry too. You're living within your communities, and so your support is critical for our mission and it's like the best. So Proverbs, Perfectly. the first one is a 31, 10 to 13, 19 to 20, and 30 to 31. I Literally
1: the very end of Proverbs, the epilogue, if you will. What were you going to say? I didn't I saved read. you I, from I, saying what you were about to say. <laughs> I was trying to protect your, I, my, my, your dignity. I uh, Thank you for your dignity protection. <laughs> Thanks. Our responsorial psalm is coming from Psalm 128 verses 1 through 2, 3, little lonely 3, and then 4 and 5. And a Response itself is coming from 1a. Hey, hey that's the, the, our response is from the Canadians, right, the Canadian version of the- <laughs> it's 1a 1a. <one> <laughs> <One A. laughs>
0: <laughs> and then our uh, Thessalonica, uh, ah. our whiz is first Thessalonica for five to <laughs> one through six. What's Thessalonica, how, okay. do I, how do I Thessalonians? say Thessalonians? Thessalonians, oh yeah, the city is called Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki, so first Thessaloniki, oh my god. I can't, why can't I talk Thessalonians. today? Thessalonians. You know what happened is I just had a Red Bull, so my brain is moving you're faster little, than my mouth.
1: You're, yeah. I'm amped. Fair enough. Do you want me to do it? You can do the gospel. It's a little easier to say Matthew. Okay. Okay. The first Thessalonians <laughs> chapter five, verses one through six. You got this, man.
0: Okay. Uh, our gospel yes. is the longer form of Matthew mm-hmm. 25, 14 to 30.
1: Very good. Very good. Our, 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 our valid and, and perfectly morally neutral views of capitalism, I think, falsely taint our understanding of this parable. I have no beef with capitalism. <laughs> I just want to, that's a caveat. No problem with capitalism, especially because we asked you to give us your money. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't think that's what this story is about. It's not about just making return. But we're not there yet. We're not in Proverbs, or we're not in Matthew yet.
0: Right. Am right? You're right. So Proverbs. Proverbially. All right.
1: I have a lot to say about this. Um, well, that's cause you found a worthy wife, bro. I did. Oh my gosh. Did I find a worthy wife? She, oh, don't tell her what a lame brain I am. <laughs> oh, I really married up. I'll tell you that. So did you as far as being married to the, to the bride of Christ. Dude, I got to, we s- both married up. I got to say, I have this very strange
0: experience of my, um, of my spousal role to the church right now. Okay. Um, because I get a chance to be with Christ in his, his espousing of his church.
1: Aren't I kind of your wife? Yeah, it's pretty
0: weird. <laughs> well, because what happens is we turn the church. Um, we talked about that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Flipping it over? Flipping it. We turned it. It's it's now in the upside down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought you meant because when you flip it upside down, it's supposed to look like an arc. Like it nose does. arc, anyway. it, yeah. So the upside down, yeah. It, so it's not in the upside down, but we uh we. It was... I've been watching Stranger Things alone at night
0: by myself. Oh, dude, I <laughs> l- dude that makes it even better as I, did I wait too. to
1: feed my infant daughter. <laughs> dude, it'll scare the the bananas turn all out the of you. I have to turn all the lights on. Turn all the lights on. Okay. Anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. This okay. Is what now? A spousal, a spousal.
0: Um, I turn the church, and I have to say, I have such a generous. Parish, mm. P, like, like, dude, it's been, it's like a really, really tough move to have a reorientation of your church because it's a big deal, because we've had it for thirty years, basically this way, is that right? Thirty years, so half of the life of the church, and um, and it's it's really disorienting. Mm even though it's reorienting and like people have been just really generous and very loving and
1: I'm really happy to hear that.
0: Yeah, and and you the, never know. I'm not getting a lot of complaints, but I know that people are struggling and sure. that's like like, dude, it's like you look at your wife and you say, man, you know, when she's struggling, but she's not complaining and she's with you and like she's generous towards you. You know, that feeling, you know, that feeling. Say it one more time. When you made a decision and you're making a particular direction and she's following with you uh, and she's not complaining, but you know, you know that it's it's asking a lot oh, of her. Right. And yet she's generous in that. And you know how that feels? Yeah. It's, it's a
1: hard, that's a burden to carry.
0: It's a burden to carry. And it's also really beautiful and good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know. So, Interesting. so So this is our Worthy Wives we're talking about. Worthy Wives, baby. Um, have we, okay. We've so, not contextualized okay, uh, good. Proverbs thank yet. You.
1: Thank you. For, thank you for knowing my heart enough to know exactly the question I was asking. Here's one thing I just have to say about Proverbs. This is what's called part of wisdom literature because these are wise sayings. One of the things just to know about Proverbs, um, I, this, is, this, is, this relates to the Bible in general and Proverbs in particular. Proverbs is not one of those books that's designed to just be read straight through like a narrative. It's not a narrative, right? It's a, it's a, it's kind of like the Psalms. The Psalms were never be, meant to be read like straight through. They're not chronological <laughs> or narrative, right? They're, they're it's a series. Not a narrative book. You wouldn't read, so you wouldn't go to the library and pick up a book of famous quotations and like just read it straight through cover to cover. That's not how it's designed, right? Which is that's an analogy for this. This is kind of like a book of wise quotations. Yeah, I have this book Leaves of Gold, and I. I loved just growing up, and I would just open it up to these random quotes and stuff. Which is what's sort of beautiful about the proverbs, but the Psalms as well, and some of the wisdom literature. It's also partially why um, people don't know what to do with it in terms of salvation history. Like, what, you know what I mean? Where do you fit it? Well, it actually spans a lot of different um, genres, and not genres really, but it spans a lot of time periods. Right. So, um, which is one of the things I like. It's the so proverbs, the Psalms, the wisdom literature. Uh, it's one of those kind of love-hate relationships. We love them because they're accessible in the sense that you can literally just pick it up and, and pick one and read through it and be edified or be challenged or whatever. But they're challenging in the sense that we don't always know there's not an on-ramp. I don't know how to, how to get there. I don't know what to do with these mm-hmm. or where to put them. Um, but they're all about this concept of wisdom, which we talked about last week. Um, we talked about this concept. I think we talked about this a little bit last time. This concept, this Hebrew concept called Hokma. We've talked about chokmah before on the podcast. It's um, The basic meaning of hokma is skill. So so what does wisdom mean for the Hebrews? It's, it's not really a textbook knowledge about something, but it's like an artistic craftsmanship. Hokma, Wisdom is not just knowing about stuff. It's the skill of seeing the world in a certain way. It's the skill of being able to do something, to have a craft. What is the craft to understand what reality is? So I'm you sound I'm, I'm starting to get abstract. No, this is the thing is that um, as a
0: teacher of art, so I yeah. love engaging people and showing them how to make things. I find that those who make have a, such a deeper appreci- appreciation of that which really is. So like, I'll tell you, if you try to make pottery mm. and then you see good pottery, you're like, wow, that is beautiful. Yeah. And so in a certain sense, when when you're engaging like like that's the weirdest part we are made in the image and likeness of god we've been invited in a certain sense into a godly way of being able to perceive the world truth and so hokma when you say that it rises within me this idea of Like this, this like profound invitation to be with the creator and understand the creation, not merely from our own perspective, but from an elevated perspective, that which of of those who from
1: he who is created. Which you could also simply paraphrase by saying to understand reality for what it is. Yes. Because what is seeing creation from God's perspective, but seeing reality? And it which sounds one of the I mean, not to belabor this point and get abstract, but I mean. It's hard to see creation for what it actually is because it can be deceiving and there's forces in our world and different influences and voices and everything that want to deceive us. So the point of the wisdom literature is that wisdom means to see God's creation and to understand what reality is, which is a skill that needs to be honed and developed. And it's not an easy thing. So that's what Proverbs is doing We're getting the very, very end of Proverbs, which, um, by the way, the way that Proverbs is sort of set up, uh, it's not set up chronologically or by thematically or by topic or anything. It's set up by author. Okay. And so you'll see headings as you read through it. You know, these are the the wise sayings of King Solomon or these are the wise sayings of, you know, the the sons of Solomon or or so-and-so or whatever. And in chapter 31, we get this very strange... Um, statement that this chapter, this last chapter, it's the sayings of King Lemuel, L-E-M-U-E-L. And the thing that's kind of funny, nobody has a clue who King Lemuel is. Really? No one knows this guy. There's a theory out there that I think is, I think it's intriguing based on if, if you actually read it, that it's another name for Solomon himself. Some scholars actually think maybe it's a pet name that his mother Bathsheba gives him. And there's, there's a reason for that. So there's reason to believe that it actually might be an, a, a name for a, a pseudonym for King Solomon. Now, think about Solomon for a second. Where did Solomon come from? Who was Solomon's mom? Bathsheba. Who was Bathsheba? Bathsheba was the lady who was bathing on the roof with David. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you for, worded for, that poorly. For David. Yeah, so David's great sin, right? When he, he was supposed to be off at Psalm war. Psalm 51, yeah.
0: Uriah's the Uriah's Uriah's uh, widowed wife. Yeah, who David has an affair with and which, takes him his own home. And, which, by the way, there's a canon law in the church that you cannot murder somebody's spouse and then marry them. It is It actually makes for an invalid <laughs> marriage. In case any of you
1: are like, hey. In case you're in that situation right now, you're don't like, pull a David. Don't pull a David. <laughs> wow. I can't believe that's actually... It's funny because canon laws only come about... Be, oh, any laws has only come about because somebody did those things. Yeah, <laughs> so t-
0: attempted that.
1: It was a problematic enough that they did that. So listen to the beginning of chapter 31. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is before the part that we get. But imagine this coming out of Solomon's mouth for a second. I like that you just moved on, and I'll imagine it coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Solomon, by the way, he's known for his wisdom, right? Which is why a lot of these things are attributed to him. Uh-huh. But he also had a pretty wicked downfall at the end of his life um if <laughs> what no that, that, that was that, oh, that, that was, was down, your, yes. that was his downfall it's ironic if you put this in the mouth of samuel or of solomon and we know that the reading that we have this week is all about finding a, a great spouse and you're like wait a second how what 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 is solomon's spousal experience do you remember uh hold on no i don't he had hundreds of them Rau, rau. Hundreds and hundreds of wives from hundreds of hundreds of bad military alliances he made with nations he shouldn't have allied himself with and gained hundreds of, of wives and brought their gods and their deities and their pagan religions into his household and corrupted all of Israel. I mean, it's a pretty bad deal. I forgot about that. It's <laughs> So if you imagine this coming out of the mouth of Solomon, it, it actually changes things a little. So imagine this. The sayings of King Lemuel. This is, the beginning, this is not our reading, but I just want to say this. Uh, It says the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. And that's Mm. fascinating. What if it's Bathsheba? Who... You know, there's debate about, did Bathsheba kind of set herself up? Did she want to be seen by David? Was she trying to seduce him? Was she an innocent bystander who was just taking a bath and got taken advantage of? Nobody's sure, but it's sort of an interesting thing to speculate. Well, this is the thing, though, is
0: that, like, talk about somebody—one uh, of the effects of lust, if mm. you if you take this in um, St. Thomas Aquinas' uh, expressions, is the inability to follow one's own counsel. So you can know the right, really? yeah, the right thing to do. But you, but the effect of lust, one of the daughters of the seven deadly sins of lust, is you cannot actually follow what you know is right and true. So him, wow. no, his mom wow. saying to him, him, you because because look. And, but then you can also imagine here. Imagine a brother with a hundred wives, 600 six hundred and sixty-six, six hundred and sixty-six wives, six six six. Dude, he belongs in a metal band with that. I mean, I'm just saying. Maybe it wasn't that. No, he had six. There was three
1: sixes in there. Dude,
0: I'll I'll tell you what, man. I know brothers, and I know brothers who have just one wife. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of work that's involved in that. Can you imagine? If if there was, I mean, I'm trying to imagine my whole parish being my wife. Oh my. And like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. (laughs) I can imagine him just kind of musing on going like. What if I just like gotta be in a little house with my one wife and she just like made some wool and she was nice <laughs> she and virtual. And she was nice and virtuous, and she that's just true. spun stuff. And we had a little bit of like we had a ma and pa shop in the that in the old nice. market, and you can see a longing of that. Yeah, like that's I mean, and because like isn't that like beautiful though? I mean, we th- even those who are single and or those who are engaged are like, wouldn't that be nice if we just lived together yeah. and we made some custom cowboy boots in our house? <laughs> and that's what my parents do.
1: So before we get there, because that's, so you're tapping into the reading that we get, but the the precursor to that, listen to what. So again, an oracle his mother taught him. Listen to this. Imagine it being Solomon. O son, my son, O son of my womb, O son of my vows, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. Oh. Oh. <laughs> You're like, oh. Mm-mm. Oh can you imagine Bathsheba being like, What are you doing, Solomon? This is not good. It is not for kings Olemuel, which means uh, for God or toward God. So I I don't think it's a name. I think it's a title or, or, you know, an address. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their wives, or of, their, of their rights, not their wives. <laughs> Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let, they, let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. But you, you got to stay sober and alert. Or it's, it's a funny thing what it actually says. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't overuse wine or crave beer. Why not? Because you might forget what the law decrees and what's the result? Deprive the oppressed of their rights. If you drink wine, if you don't keep yourself sober and alert, then the poor will suffer. Wow. which it, It's just a profound to put this because, again, Solomon, who makes himself richer than any king before him, so much wealth, so many weapons, so much power, so many wives. And actually looking back, imagine Solomon looking back and saying, oh, I actually remember what my mother taught me and I did not follow those. But I want this to be recorded. I want this to be known and spoken. Yeah, and then we get to our reading, which starts here: a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubles. I mean, again, this man who has hundreds of wives, who are bringing all sorts of corruption and false deities and, and a lot of stuff into the kingdom. Uh, uh, I'll read the. Let's version. just say drama. Drama. One who finds a worthy wife. Her value is far beyond pearls. Her husband, entrusting his heart to her, has an unfailing prize. She brings him good, not evil, all the days of her life. She obtains wool and flax and works with loving hands. She puts her hands to the dastiff, her fingers to ply the spindle. She reaches out her hands to the poor. She extends her arms to the needy. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, and her reward for her labors and her works praise her at the city gates. Now, here's the thing about this. Proverbs 31, um, why is the description of the ideal wife included at the end of the entire book of Proverbs, the whole thing? Um, Traditionally, and you see this throughout the rest of the book, uh, thematically, wisdom is always described as a woman. And her relationship or our relationship to her is described as that of a wife, right? So it's fitting, literarily, that that Proverbs would end this way because it pulls together everything wisdom would do. But um, a, a teacher of mine pointed this out. This woman, this ideal woman that's described here at the end of Proverbs, yeah. why is she described this way? It's not just, oh, she does really good work, and she cooks really nice meals. and <laughs> she. It's not that, because you could read it that way and be like, oh, it's this submissive was, uh, wife who makes sweaters and cooks meals. You could read it that way, or you could say, no, this woman's whole life is in step with wisdom, which means, according to wisdom itself, she's in step with creation, <gasps> She understands what creation is. She understands how to use animals and wool and the spindle and care for the poor and actually approach reality for what it is. Yeah. That's why she's so profoundly important. That's why this ideal wife is so beautiful. Not just because she makes me stuff and she's a nice, you know, um, uh, housewife. It's not that. It's that, no, she understands creation, how to use it and how to um, make it a gift for others. Yeah. She understands wisdom. She is wisdom. Which is just kind of a beautiful way to read that, and that's the capstone of this book. Ooh. So that um, I think, sets us up for the rest. Now our, our responsorial song.: Well,
0: I mean the response from the Canadian response, the <laughs> "Blessed are those what, eh? who. Blessed are those who fear the Lord." Eh?
1: Nice. That was actually pretty
0: good. <laughs> hey man, this is for our Canadian listeners up in the. Uh,
1: wh- where's the place that you'd been talking? Saskatchewan. I'm S- going to in February. Oh
0: yeah, the Saskatchewan guys, like Mike up there, right? <laughs> is it, is yeah. It, is, it, is it Mike and I'm John? I'm sure there's a Mike. I'm sure there's an,
1: an, a. Who Mike. are the uh, Who are the guys from Strange Brew? Oh
0: dude, I don't know, eh? That's what you. That's what you're reminding me of. As, that's what it is. But uh, those yeah. are the those are the ones that are being able to uh, bless the Lord, who are uh, fearing them. You sound a little Irish, too. Well, this is the thing, is when you're in Ireland, um, it does sound a little bit like Canadians. I don't know what it is. I think that there's some Canadians that occupied Ireland or something. You've totally just morphed into an Irish. <laughs> Which is fine. No, blessed um, are those who fear the Lord. Because if fear of the Lord is one of those things that's really... Um, it, it damaged people in an inappropriate manner in their life. Like, a misunderstanding a of a what misunderstanding fear of the Lord, of actually the Lord is. is. Mean, yeah. yeah, because you say like, you know. no. Ooh, I'm afraid. Yeah, pe- people who are living in, you know, what is it? Um, Strictly Ballroom was the first time I was introduced to this <gasps> quote, which is a very funny Australian film, which I cannot do an Australian accent right now. Fair enough. Um, but uh, it was, it, it, the quote and in it was. And you're never
1: going to speak at a focus conference because I feel like it's half Australian speakers, isn't it? <laughs> It is. <laughs> anyway. all, it. The, all the big name chastity speakers are from Australia. Dude, go, uh, go Aussie chastity man.
0: Aussie chastity is at the forefront. Maybe it's of, just Matt Fred. Okay, doesn't there one. another one? Matthew uh, Kelly. Matthew. Well, he's my, not. Yeah, I think he's, he's a, Australian yeah, he's See, There yeah, you go. All right. Side note. Where do you Aussie, dude? <laughs> um, what was I even saying? Oh, oh, it's strictly uh, ballroom. Strictly ballroom. <laughs> a life lived in fear as a life half lived. Mm. That that like the truth is is that we are not meant to be people who are afraid, but yes. fully filled with confidence. Yes, but but to attribute real respect and dignity and understanding that there is a greatness and a grandeur to God that is much bigger than us, that is something to where we we. Uh, absolutely reverence and say no yes. this i like because we can we are such a people disposed to think that we are the end-all be-all of everything that we that the yes. the sun rises and sets with our opinions and ideas and lives and yes. we don't actually turn ourselves outward to say that there are is you know uh you know made a decision to uh, to that um a power greater than
1: ourselves could save us so you know absolutely i, I mean i think a, a great definite the simplest definition of the fear of the lord is the recognition that there is a God, and I'm not him. <laughs> right? That's essentially what it's saying. Absolutely. And your life then follows accordingly. That's actually yeah. what wisdom is. Yeah. The recognition that, no, I'm not God. And I approach creation with that understanding. And then, I mean, what, what does this say? You know, you will eat the fruit of your handiwork. Blessed shall you be in favored. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. I'm approaching the world and creation and agriculture and food and my relationships knowing that there is a god and i'm not him and so things tend to fall into place and to say i need to
0: okay let's be honest about some people pleasing in the world all right you know if you like neil was telling me my brother about a a book that he had read and it said if you really want to take power up then you get recommendations from people. Okay. Like you ask their advice. So you say you yeah. you want to take up power. The truth is, is that we- Speaking are, of Solomon. Speaking of Solomon. Would
1: oh, you remember Solomon's son, Rehoboam? Yeah. Who had the choice if he was going to basically divide the kingdom. And he went to his his the wise council and he says, what do you guys think I should do? And they're like, oh, listen to the voice of the people, ease their burdens, be benevolent to them, don't be like your father- and then he goes to his his frat buddies or whatever, you know, his football friends, and he's like, what do you think I should do? And they're like, how dare – you you're going to be even tougher than your father, and you're going to put bigger taxes and more burdens, and you're going to be – you know, how dare they even ask for mercy from you? What were we talking about? Power. Power. But he seeks counsel from two different sources, and he chooses the bad source to follow the advice from about power. Dude, yeah, man.
0: Don't you hate – but we can be people-pleasing, and we can say, hey, I actually want to – make, uh, I want to please my nasty friends over here and I want to be respected and understood. And so in a certain sense we say, oh, I don't want to act in a way that's going to upset the people who are really close and intimate to me in my life. Yeah. In a certain sense, you can say, I fear my friends. Yes. I have a certain fear of my friends because I, I, I'm intimate and I'm vulnerable to them. Okay. And, and I don't want to be abused or taken advantage of or lost from them. And like, so in a certain sense, there's a natural analog, Mm. but the person who is, doesn't, who, who fears the Lord says, "No, I want to please God. Mm. I want to take the counsels of God into account, and I want to dispose myself to what God is wanting me to do, not just
1: what my f- frat friends, my football buddies, are telling me what to do." Which is a hard thing to do. I mean, you know, we're making a little bit of light of it, but it's that's all hard. I mean, to actually have to follow God and look as a fool, or 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 worse, yes, put yourself in a fool. danger right. in front of. Peers or friends or family members or whatever it is—that's easier said than done. But that is the fear of the Lord. This is a perfect—I know we're not there yet—but this is going to be a perfect segue into the gospel, I think. Okay, yeah,
0: absolutely. Which, so then but we before we But but on the way to the gospel, we have to meet the Thessalonica.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: I just wouldn't say that in 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 any way I can.
1: We're getting a lot of the ends of things. So this because is this a very, a, well. It's a thirty-three Sunday, in ordinary we're time. We're getting there. We're getting toward the end of the liturgical year. So I'm, this is the end of the book of First Thessalonians. Yeah. Next week, after this week, is Christ the King. Oh yeah,
0: because Advent starts. Yeah, because this is this is the end. Of, this Ooh. is this, we're approaching the end of all time. This is an icon of what it looks like for the last judgment to come. So you yeah. best be fearing the Lord, because guess what? The you brother's best. coming back, and we better look busy.
1: <laughs> That's right. Which is essentially what Paul says to the Thessalonians, who were remember if you remember from last week, they're asking this question Hey, Paul, we don't totally well we get Jesus, we get the heroes from the dead. We don't totally get what we're supposed to be looking toward. Like he went up to heaven, but he's coming back or something, and what does that look like? And we're gonna
0: be we're gonna be caught up in the rapture and we're gonna
1: disappear, and all these other yeah, people are just what? gonna have to like be in a mosh pit on earth. I don't we'll know. Be in a <laughs> right. So concerning so he answers concerning times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need. For anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well when the day of the Lord will come, like a thief in the night. When people are saying peace and security, then suddenly disaster comes upon them. Like labor pains of a pregnant woman, they will not escape. You don't know when it's coming. He's coming back. Everyone's going to be, you know, it'll elsewhere, I think it's in Second Peter, right? He says it'll be, no, Jesus says in the Gospels, he says it'll be like the days of Noah, right? People are eating and drinking and being merry, and then the flood swept them away. It's going to be like that. Right, there's but the flood is a great analogy for what Paul is saying because it took a long time for the waters to come and the water levels to rise and for the flood to actually happen. Right when the flood waters came, I mean, do you remember when we had the flood here? You know, what was that, two thousand and thirteen years ago? I don't. Come on, man, Don't (laughs) don't be a poop. So we had a big flood. The flood was sort of sudden, right? There was that night. I remember that we were recording the podcast because we were really late, and the, the warning sirens started going off throughout Boulder. We, we tried we to record like, it three times we because did, and we, we, had, we had bears. And, bears and floods. And everyone was like, get out, away from Boulder Creek because there's going to be the flood waters coming in. And there's so n- there was, naked college students running yeah, down this. It was a weird time in Boulder. But there was the immediacy of like flash flood, waters are coming, things are given out. But there was flash floods and this immediate danger because there were days and days and days of rain that preceded it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't out of nowhere. It wasn't just the floods coming out of nowhere. No, it's been raining really hard for days and the ground is clearly saturated. So, I mean, we can read the signs of the times. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when the Lord will come back, but Paul is saying you can read the signs of the times. You Mm -hmm. know what to look for to be prepared. You're not gonna know when that flash flood is gonna hit, but you know to be prepared and you can watch and you can observe and you can, this is wisdom. To see the created order, to see relationships, to see what God is doing and to see reality for what it is. If you have trained yourself in the Hokma of actually recognizing reality, then when that day or hour that no one knows comes, you will have trained yourself to see reality. So you will know. Yes. Which is, that's the point. I mean, yes, Paul is saying you don't know when it's going to happen. But it's not just, well, you're on your own. You know, we'll figure it out when it happens. It's saying... If you understand the whole tradition that precedes this, if you know what reality is, if you know who Jesus is, you don't need to know the day or the hour because you'll already have trained yourself to be prepared. Yes. That is what true wisdom is. And that's what Paul's calling his audience to. So you don't have to be in darkness, he says, for that day um are not in darkness. Yeah, because it'll overtake you like a thief. But you are children of the night and children of the day. We're not children of the night or darkness. We're not children of the kind of fear of the Lord that you mentioned before, the false fear of the Lord. It's not just being afraid and like shaking and cowering. <laughs> it's a true fear that God is in charge and I am not he. That kind of fear is light and actually brings life and power and reality. Not the darkness of cowering and fear. And
0: anxiousness and yes and twisted upness and and distortion.
1: And but so it's, was, yeah. it's saying like this is powerful and great. But how do you recognize it? And his last line is key, therefore stay alert and sober, which was the point of last week's gospel by the way. It was also the point of the beginning of oh yeah, the 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 10 virgins with the oil lamps. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's not it's not keep oil with you all the time.
1: All <laughs> right. It's like which, <laughs> well, it was also the advice to to the king in the end of proverbs remember it wasn't part of our reading but it was what preceded our reading if you're getting drunk on wine and beer all the time then you're not going to actually recognize reality right that will steal wisdom from you mm. again it's not saying that beer and wine are bad right that's obviously not the point but it's saying no 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 you got to stay you got to stay sober yep so wh- that brings us to the uh, Parable of the talents. Parable of the talents. There's another version of this parable in Luke chapter 19. And um, part of me wishes that we had Luke 19 <laughs> this time because it gives us a lot of details that this version of the parable doesn't have. And, you know, you, you could you could say, well, does Matthew just kind of pick and choose which things he's going to record? Or does Jesus gives two give two different versions of this parable? Dude,
0: I don't know. Dude, this is the thing is the proclamation of the kingdom. Okay, let's be honest. The very best speakers in the whole world, okay, they keep Are using this... the
1: same images over yeah, and over again. Absolutely. I mean, like, like um, you give the same homily probably multiple times on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, but the, yeah, I'm sure you tweak it and you, you know, you you adjust things and it, you. Well, I mean, like the I have a dream seven thirty crowd never never laughs at your jokes, but the nine mm-hmm. o'clock we're all yeah, punch yeah. drunk on our kids <laughs> to you know, well, the, we laugh at everything.
0: Yeah, but this is the thing: is the I have a dream speech from Martin Luther King. Yeah. Um, those are all things that he'd been saying on
1: his on the road. He, yeah, it used to be. I, I have a neat idea speech the week before that, but he tweaked it. <laughs> oh, shut up! He I'm didn't sorry. do no, that. Not at all. <laughs>
0: but where? So, so I always think like you have the Sermon on the Plane, the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's traveling around and he's got to get this message out to all these people. Absolutely right. And so, as they're considering and as they're looking, the part of the thing is is that they've heard this. 5 10 15 uh, times. They've been doing this for yeah. 3 years. Yeah, probably. Jesus ha- has some some messaging that he worked out. Yeah. And so yeah. so so as you there's some details that you remember that they're going to stick with you in the same way that the same sermon that you hear and the mm. ser- person next to you, they're going to you're going to hear the same sermon but right. something else is going to touch you because the Holy Spirit moves
1: within right. our hearts in a unique individual way. Right, which is why Matthew and Luke record it differently. It's not in contradiction; they're not conflicting with each other. That's that's a that's such a that's such a cop out way to read the Bible, isn't it? Well, these things don't matter. Are you a bird? <laughs> <laughs> I tried to distract you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, I I have a book
0: and I'm like well, I'm like doing it up and up and down so that the 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 covers of the book like a bird. All of these are the reasons
1: why you should watch the live. The live stream of the (laughs) podcast because you get to see ridiculousness like this yes okay so all that being said we're uh we're at the end again he he's giving the the dire warnings now because again we're approaching the end of the liturgical year He's about to go to the cross here, right? He's right. about to pronounce this curse on the temple. This is done. My warnings, you know, I, I gave the blessings in the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning of Matthew. Then I gave warnings for those who don't heed what I say. I just completed saying a series of woe to you if you really don't listen. And now I'm going to give you a couple parables that just say the end is on the way. So this is an intense, and I, I do think... And again this is this is I don't mean this in a negative sense but I do think our western mindsets steal a little bit from this parable for us because we we have a particular category that we put this in. And it, it's the parable of the talents, right? So it's this Jesus says there's a guy that I like to call it the
0: the parable of the Benjamin's.
1: Oh, the Benjamin's. We don't here's the problem. We don't entirely know what a talent was. It's a big amount of money. It should be like a one talent would be like a year's salary. It's actually a measurement of weight. No, actually, that's not true. You want to to get your mind blown? Yeah. One talent, again, we don't exactly know what it was. It's a measurement of weight. So what does that even mean? But one talent they estimate was probably the equivalent of 15 to 20 years salary for an average worker. 20 years salary. Okay. Imagine that for a second. You mean like that's a lot of uh, that's a, a
0: lot of Benjamin, dude. That's like some Benjamin. So a talent is like you think a dude like burying a coin in the ground. Now the brother had to work to bury it. He was like, well, he buried twenty years' wages in
1: the ground. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We think of that's like a coin, but it probably was or something. I don't, know, I don't know what physically it was. A bar of gold. But it's also remarkable to think. That, so again, this master's going on a journey. He calls his servants, and and um, he gave five talents to one of them. So that's five times, 25, wait, five times. Two times that's five. That's a lot of math. That's a two lot times, math times for five Thursday. is
0: tens. That's a hundred years worth of that's salary. That's a lot of salary, man.
1: Dude, that's, that's like a like, million. It's like a couple million. I think there's a reason for this. So hold on to that for a second. He gives another one two, which is remarkable. And he gave a third one one. Um, it's remarkable that when he comes back, some of these guys have actually doubled that, which is profound. they've made a ton of cash. But he gave; they gave them each of these things, and he went on his way. And you know the story: they they go out and they traded with them, they do commerce with them, and one of them hid it and you know buried it in the hole in the ground. And then the servant comes; the master comes back. Uh, Luke's version again. I'm just going to pull from Luke's version for a second because there's a couple details. Again, it's a different parable, and there's different things going on. But Luke's parable, again, because it gives us a little bit more, it says this master was going to go off to a far country to receive his kingship, to receive authority. And it actually says that there were going to be a bunch of enemies who were going after him. Oh. So a master is going off to a far country to receive his crown to come back and be king. That's what Luke says. So which puts a bit of a different light on what this master is doing, or this this important person. He's going off to receive his kingly authority, which actually happened with King Herod. who he went to Caesar and bought off the kingship so he could become king. His son tried to do the same thing, and he got killed for it. So you're like, you know, in the historical real. context, you're like, whoa, we don't know what's going to happen with that. And to add to it, again, Luke tells us that enemies go off trying to kill him. So imagine this. You have this, even if it's not a king, you have a master. You know, think of the the political structure, both of our country, but think of the political structure in the Middle East. And someone says, I'm going to go off to receive this political authority. And when I come back, I'm going to be in charge of all this stuff. I'm going to rule over things. So I want you to go in my name and I want you to basically start business. I mean, he, he doesn't, he gives them these talents, this huge amount of money. And he basically says, do commerce, start businesses, start trade. Right. So imagine that you're a follower of this would be king. who's going off to receive his authority, who you know people are going to try to kill him along the way. And if that happens, then his enemies are going to come to power. How publicly do you want to go out and basically start businesses in the name of a king who might be assassinated before he gets back? Do you see the point of this? It's telling what the master says when he comes back. He doesn't reward the first two... For their success. And the wording is really imperative in the in the parable. They, you know, they traded one of them doubles the money, the other got a lot of return. He doesn't say you're great because you've had success. He says you're great because you were faithful. He praises their faithfulness, not their success. Yeah, it's a big deal. And I think we think capitalistically because they made a lot of money on the return. That, that's a great thing. But really, I think what the master's looking for is saying, okay, I'm going off. This is potentially really dangerous. You don't know if I'm going to come back. Are you willing to put your neck on the line to act in the person of a master who you know people hate, who you know people want to kill, who is going to be, make you very unpopular if you act in his name? And you don't know exactly how this is going to turn out. Hmm. Are you willing to go stick your neck out on the line and act in authority in his name? And one of them says, that's too scary for me. I'm going to bury this in the ground because I'm terrified because people might try to kill me. They might try to seek my life. They might try to hurt me. They might mock me. They might make fun of me. They might put me in danger, call me a fool because I've followed this person. So I'm going to bury it. It's not about the financial return on the talents. It's about the willingness of people who have not seen the fruition of their master's authority come out. Are you willing to put your neck on the line for your master because you trust in your master? Not because you've seen the crown with your own eyes, but because you trust who he is. And as Jesus is going to the cross saying, are you willing to follow me? Knowing that the enemies are right on his tail, that his life is going to be sought, that if his life is going to be sought, then his followers' lives are going to be sought as well. He's saying, are you going to stick your neck out on the line? Are you going to... I mean, (laughs) if you put the parable of the talents into the person of the apostles, they all fail at this, except for John at the foot of the cross. Right. They all essentially bury their talents in the ground and run off and hide. Right. Except John. He's like, no, I'm here. But then they come back and then they go for it, all of them. Exactly right. But you can also put it into perspective of what does it mean for a Catholic or even just a Christian in general today? Our king, the one who we say is the master over all of heaven and earth, is hard to see. He's here with us, and he's present in the Eucharist, but hey, world, this piece of bread, he's God, and he's awesome, and he's the king, and every knee should bow at this little piece of bread that we keep in a gold box inside of our church. That's a really strange thing to say. Are you willing to stand up in the world and say, I know it's not going to get me any friends, it's not going to get me any political authority, it's not going to make me wealthy, it's not going to make me popular, but I'm going to put my neck on the line And say that I am following the master Jesus Christ and I'm going to live in his church and I'm going to support and stand for and in essentially give spiritual commerce to all of the unpopular things that the church holds and teaches, which is not going to make me many friends. Are you willing to stand in the public square and trade in those spiritual truths? Or are you going to take those spiritual truths that have been entrusted to us in the king's ascension into heaven before he comes again in the second coming? And are we going to bury that in the sand? I'm going to go to mass on Sunday, but I'm going to kind of sit in the back and I'm not going to really engage. And I'm definitely not going to tell my coworkers that I'm a Catholic. I'm just I'm going to do my thing, though. And I'm a Catholic. I'm going to you know do my responsibilities. But I don't know if I'm going to actually trade in that spiritual commerce in my everyday life. I'm not going to tell my neighbors. I'm not going to tell my coworkers. I'm not actually going to put my neck out there. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to keep my head down. Maybe Jesus will come again. He'll take me away to heaven. Because what happens is we want to please the world rather than
0: God. Exactly what you said and, earlier. And, and, and th- this is the thing is, blessed are those who have found a worthy wife because ultimately – um, the the church is espoused to us. Yes, and and like if you put yourself out on the line and evangelize and make known and trade in the mystery, and I mean in that sense of saying like I'm going to give the mystery away. I mean that's yes. what you and I are trying to do right here. Right. That's why you all join us because we want to put ourselves out for the depths of this mystery. And right. to say this is what we are on about, yep. and this is what we want to live, and this is what we love and treasure, and you guys get a chance to love and treasure it with us,
1: absolutely. And
0: um, be, because we we are going to put ourselves out there, and mm. and once it's on the internet, it's there forever. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> true. Right? And yeah. so, like, there, there's a certain, there's this sense that like I just get to rejoice, like, because blessed are, are we are because we have a church that defends and loves and upholds us. And, Absolutely, and and wants us to succeed, and wants um, the word to be proclaimed. And so, um, please, God, rather than your neighbor, mm. but love God above all else, and then your neighbor is yourself after that. Right, and uh, and 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 that's where we we're we're not going to bury this. Don't, right. don't bury nothing because we've been entrusted. We've been entrusted with the greatest treasure. Uh, you know, the greatest love has been granted to me. Absolutely. So, what are you going to do with it? The greatest love is happening to me.
1: Thank you, Whitney. Yeah, absolutely, Whitney. One Um, quick public service announcement before we close up. This is a shout-out, but it didn't really fit at the beginning. Um, If you want a way to actually use your talents college students and seminarians. I'm specifically calling you. Some of you know we run a ministry called Camp Voitiwa. My wife and I an outdoor ministry. We take young people into the wilderness, mountaineering, rock climbing, whitewater rafting, backpacking. We teach them about God and themselves. We're looking for counselors. We're looking for our staff this summer. So if you're a college student, you're a seminarian, you're somewhere around that age, go to camp-w.com. That's our website. We are accepting applications uh, to join us for the summer. It's going to be awesome. So just a shout out to Camp Voitiwa. Um, Maybe you'll join us. Absolutely. Father Peter is one of our chaplains. What, what? Um he is you are sort of our chaplain par excellence. I, I'm kind of arch chaplain. Arch chaplain, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh so yeah, absolutely.
0: Come and uh, check that out, sign up. Um it's it's uh, pretty competitive. Yeah. Uh, nice and, nice. and and so you got what it takes. And as you're Boom. listening to this, you're like, Oh, I know these scriptures, I want to give it away. Boom. Also, for those of you who uh, are excited, we really invite you I'm to uh, for Giving Tuesday. Yes, um, twenty-four thousand dollars in twenty-four hours, thousand dollars an hour. We, uh, you know, five dollars makes a difference because there's Absolutely. if there's seventeen thousand dollars, seventeen thousand listeners, ten dollars, we're like we're rocking.
1: Absolutely, you know, you Absolutely. give us
0: ten dollars a month for a little while. You give us ten dollars once, that'd be great. If you mm-hmm. gave us ten dollars a month, three dollars a month. That it would transform uh, our ministry that's so, absolutely true so uh, it's
1: really easy to think that our talent is a little too small to do anything with
0: yep but it's not but it's not and for those of you who have large talents you can also give ten thousand dollars you can do that yes we will accept that <laughs> hey love you guys keep it real we'll see you next week and then week after that until the parousia so uh, god bless you bye-bye Bye.
1: The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.